I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Back with you. After taking a week off, a lot has happened in that week. Arkansas obviously uh, falling in their final game and then getting selected to play in the Texas Bowl versus TCU. Signing day is behind us. We're going to get into all of those things and more. It's Hogsports Live. Hope you enjoyed that riveting introduction. So, <laughs> a lot has happened in the last week. By the way, I hope you guys are enjoying Hog Hoops Live with Curtis Wilkerson. He's doing a great job of that show. If you haven't subscribed to that YouTube channel, be sure to do so. It's under Hog Hoops Live. It's a sister show to this. So, a very similar setup, but with Curtis's insight on Razorback basketball recruiting and, uh, of course, uh, the team. So we're not going to get into that too much because Arkansas does have a basketball game tomorrow, and Curtis will be back with you guys on Wednesday. You can watch his show uh, from – when was his last show? I'm not sure when his last show was, but uh, I guess it was was Thursday when his last show was previewing these two upcoming games. So we're going to start having his show on right after the midweek game each week. And if there's not a midweek game, I think maybe a couple times that pops up. If there's not a midweek game, uh, then he'll probably just go Wednesday or Thursday. But uh, looking at having him on once a week to start things out, we may change that, but that's the plan right now. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live if you haven't done so already. Please follow the page. Uh, let other people know about it. Subscribe uh, or share uh, the content. Also, also available on YouTube. If you uh, haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, be sure to do so and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload new videos. You want to make sure that uh, you share that with other people, interact with the video, throw us a thumbs up or a like on both of those outlets. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't uh, thrown us a five-star review, we would love to have that from you also. There's my graphic. And of course, uh, on Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. So let's just jump into it. Arkansas uh, slated to play TCU, who obviously the two programs have a long history uh, going back to their days in the old Southwest Conference. First started playing in 1920. Arkansas has won uh, pretty close to twice as many games as TCU has in the series. They rekindled the rivalry a few years ago playing at TCU in 2016 and then at Fayetteville in 2017. Both away teams won those games. Arkansas won in overtime in a game they probably should have won more significantly in 2016-2017. was kind of really the, the beginning of – like, wow, this thing is not going well, you know. I, I, I don't know. There was a couple of indicators, you know, the previous season, but that was like the confirmation, like, this could be a rough year. And ultimately, Brett Bielema was fired, who ended up getting the uh, Illinois job just recently. So, congratulations to Brett Bielema. I think it was time for him to get back into coaching. On a side note, uh, in, in the college level, um, you know, aside from all the stuff with Arkansas and do they owe him money and all that stuff, I've always kind of – Kind of rooted on Brett Bielema. I mean, he's. I think he's a good guy overall. Um, just didn't work out at Arkansas at the end. Had a tough year in 2017 that he might have been able to survive had he not uh, lost a couple of games he should have won the previous year and the year before that also. Really, that 2015 team should have been a 10-win team. The 2016 team should have been a 9-win team. And then he would have probably survived the 2017. But um, – yeah, I just think there were a lot of factors that led to that not working out. One of them, failure to recruit Texas, failure to recruit uh, coaches who had Texas ties on his staff. Uh, I felt like his staff just each year got a little bit worse. And ultimately, I think that was one of the reasons. But, you know, being away in the NFL now uh, for a couple years and now returning to college, I think he looks good, looks healthy, and – uh I'm sure he's learned a lot in the NFL and and, and it is an experience at Arkansas. So, hope he does well at Illinois. I think he's got a chance there. I think he's better, just a better fit in the Big Ten. But I digress. Gary Patterson has been at TCU for a long time. These last few years haven't been like incredible. You know, he's gone seven and six in 2018, five and seven in 2019, and missed a bowl game for the first time since 2013 last year, and six and four this year. 
this year was a, a bit of a trick, you know. Um, they do have some notable wins this season. Uh, I think a lot of people were like saying, man, I hope we don't play Oklahoma State. And, you know, this is the team that beat Oklahoma State. So, like people were like saying, I hope we get TCU. I hope we don't get Oklahoma State. But TCU beat them. So, maybe people didn't know that. Arkansas is a five-point underdog in this one. So, the game will be played December 31st. That's New Year's Eve. Uh, that's a Thursday. The game will be televised on ESPN at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time from NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Again, TCU is a five-point favorite. The last time Arkansas played there was 2014. Yes, 2014. Uh, beat Texas, the borderline erotic game, according to Brett Bielema. Let's go over a couple of things. So, Arkansas, the, the important thing about a bowl game, and by the way, I almost I found it comical how many people were saying like when we were coming out with our bowl projection stories and stuff before the bowl people were like Arkansas is not going to a bowl game they don't deserve to go to a bowl game you guys are crazy and all this stuff so let me explain it to to those people who were like so adamant and I guess hadn't been paying attention that like there's not any real qualifications for a bowl game this year but for those people uh, Arkansas won three games okay in the SEC which is more than they have won since, what, 2016 was the last time they won three games in the SEC. Uh, they beat – the three teams that they beat were teams that they were scheduled to play. Two of the teams that they lost to, Georgia and Florida, weren't on the original schedule. They didn't get to play Charleston Southern, UL Monroe, Nevada. Those are three games that I think they would have won. I think most people would agree with me that they would have won those three games, especially how we saw how they played this season. So that's six wins right there, okay, that they would have had. And probably it should have had seven. I mean, the Auburn game was robbed from them. You know, the LSU game to a lesser extent. So that's the case for Arkansas deserving to go to a bowl game. These guys deserve to go to a bowl game for what they did this season. Uh, I think COVID just, you know, hit Arkansas pretty hard. I thought Sam Pittman made a really good point that they lost to some teams at the end of the year that they felt like they probably would have beat at the beginning of the year. Arkansas just doesn't have a lot of depth. And we'll get into recruiting and how they're going to fix that here in a minute. So nine practices. So that's another big advantage to going to a bowl. It, it helps your exposure for recruiting, all that kind of stuff. But nine practices. I mean, that's that's not quite a spring, but it's, you know, two-thirds of a spring right there. So – They've already got three in the books. They practice today. Today's Monday for those listening uh, and not watching live. Uh, three practices are in the books. Practice today. Uh, so they had two last week, one today. They've already scrimmaged once with the young guys. They'll scrimmage the young guys again Tuesday, just for about 20 minutes or so. And then Wednesday they'll leave. Uh, they'll have practice on Wednesday, and then they'll leave. And they'll come back Saturday, take a COVID test, and then practice Sunday. And then they'll have two more practices that next week and then a walkthrough on Wednesday. So eight practices, really nine with the walkthrough. Gatlin's out. Noah Gatlin's out. He's been out for some time. Julius Coates is out. Pittman didn't say Julius Coates is gone from the team or anything. There's been a lot of, you know, talk about that. I don't know what – I, I kind of do know the situation, but it's really – I don't know if it's any of my business. But – um I think that they would like to have Coates back and are, are working to get that to happen. Four seniors will be back next year. Four players who you would expect to move on in a normal year because they're out of eligibility will be back next year. Pittman wants to talk to all of them before they leave on Wednesday because the vultures come in, the agents, as he said. Some of the agents are good. And personally, I know one agent really well, and he's not a vulture. He's a good guy. But – from what uh, I understand, Pittman wants to talk to every single one of these seniors individually before they leave Wednesday before an agent or a family member or somebody else can get in their ear about, you need to go pro. There's not anybody on this group of seniors, in my opinion, that need to leave aside from Jonathan Marshall. And Felipe Franks, I think, is the writings on the wall there. Even Pittman said that it's going to be a pretty interesting quarterback battle next spring between Malik Hornsby and K.J. Jefferson. So, I don't know if that was a slip or what, but that's, that's what he said. And we've all kind of assumed the whole time that Felipe is probably moving on. I think it makes sense for Jonathan Marshall to, uh, to take this season, which I think he played really well, and go ahead and move on. And the other one would be Myron Cunningham. 
who I would think would have a possibility to do that if he wants. And I think there are other players, um, you know, that may just want to go ahead and move on with life, you know, um, uh, and I'll, I'll let those guys announce that. But I've heard at least one guy that, that seems like he's probably uh, just going to go ahead and move on to whatever the next phase is. We're not going to play in the NFL, maybe give it a crack, but probably not. Um, so that's kind of where things stand. But he wants Pittman wants everybody to announce it kind of all at the same time. So that's why he's not announcing the four who are coming back. In that last scrimmage, he mentioned Dante Buckner is standing out, Eric Thomas, Kellen Burrell linebacker, um, Jalen St. John. He also mentioned Marcus Henderson a little bit later. We, talk, we talked to him today. We also mentioned Marcus Henderson, who he thinks is a left tackle. Blaine Toll has moved back over to defensive end, which is where Pittman says his heart is. He had been playing tight end. But he moved back over to the defensive end for these bowl practices, for these scrimmages and all this stuff, and that's where he's going to remain moving forward. So he will stay at defensive end, and Marcus Henderson will stay at left tackle. He also said Kari Johnson is another guy out of that 2020 class he thinks is going to help them in the future coming up. And there's a lot of other guys that, you know, played this year. Uh, Nick Turner played, started the last game. Uh, Miles Slusher obviously played a good bit. So there's a, there's a few guys that, that contributed out of that true freshman class this year. But this is what Pittman said on quarterback, talking about K.J. Malik. I think that's going to be a really good battle at quarterback in the spring. So... What else we got here? Just looking at TCU real quick from a number standpoint. These guys are seventh in the Big 12 out of 10 teams, seventh in total offense at 411 yards per game. It's a lot of this is Max Duggan, the quarterback. We'll, we'll talk about him in just a second. But TCU is, in scoring offense, they put up a little bit more points. They're fourth in the in the Big 12 at 30.8 points per game in scoring. Total defense, fourth, 350.9 yards per game. That's pretty solid, especially for the Big 12, which is really wide open. So 350.9. And then scoring defense, again, solid, 24.2. They're fifth in the Big 12 in scoring defense. Max Duggan. Sophomore quarterback, really athletic. So Arkansas hasn't played a lot of really true dual-threat quarterbacks. I mean, like Kellen Mond is probably the most athletic one that they've played. Um, Bo Nix maybe at Auburn. But this guy's on a different level to me in terms of his athleticism. With his, uh, He's just a good runner. Now, Pittman said he's not as fast as – you know, he's not very super uh, – fast or anything but I did hear an announcer you know watching his highlights and stuff uh say he has 4-3 speed and I, I've seen him pull away from some, from some people but as a passer 146 to 240 passing 60.8 percent 1,795 yards 10 touchdowns and four interceptions for a 134 efficiency rating 179 yards a game so not just out of this world as a passer but where he gets you is the running he's seventh in the big 12 in rushing seventh He's their leading rusher at TCU. Now, they have uh, Darwin Barlow. Some of you guys may remember him in recruiting. 73 rushing attempts for 428 yards for Barlow. Uh, but that was a guy that Arkansas targeted in recruiting under uh, under Chad Morris. And let's see. Duggan is – so Duggan is 116 rushing attempts. Some of these are sacks, too. 526 yards. It's four and a half yards a carry, 10 touchdowns. So he averaged 52.6 yards a game. He had a game where he went for 157 yards against Texas Tech, 157. So he can get it. And it seems like forever Arkansas feels like they ran into a dual-threat quarterback one time after another. And this year really not just like an exceptional guy that's like that can really, really burn you. I mean, Kellen Mond is, is a good runner. I don't know if he's like just – scaring you to death you know what I mean I don't know that Bo Nix just scares you to death the kid at Georgia that they played in the opener you know definitely wasn't a guy that you know was just incredibly elusive although he's a good runner but he's not anything like what they're going to see uh, on New Year's Eve in Max Duggan not a, like a real big kid or anything but just he's gritty he's a he's a winner 
been some shakeup, obviously, with uh, coaching. Uh, obviously, Gus Malzahn has been fired since, I guess, last time we spoke. Gus Malzahn got fired. You know, when you look at Malzahn's record, he was 6-4 and four this year at Auburn. Should have been – should have only won five games, maybe less than that. But, obviously, they, they stole one against Arkansas. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love – you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They went 9-4 and four last year. Eight and five the year before that, ten and four the year before that, eight and five, seven and six, eight and five. And this first year, of course, they went twelve and two and lost the uh, BCS national championship game. But Auburn's it doesn't feel like they're having just a ton of success. And I think one reason is because their expectations are so high. And I can understand Auburn fans being frustrated with eight and five, nine and four, six and four, never feeling like you're taking that next step. And this is a year that they I think a lot of people thought that they could take that step and they they lost four games and should have lost five at least. So I can understand the movement, but I also understand a guy like Billy Napier turning them down, which is what all the reports are right now that uh, Louisiana's Billy Napier, I think they're, they've only lost one game. They're like nine and one this year, uh, but he's had a strong few years uh, there. So that seems to be a job that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great job. First of all, I, you know, all these SEC jobs are great jobs. You know, let's not mistake that. But I don't know if Napier's just looking for the perfect situation or what, but Auburn fans have high expectations. And if you don't meet them, then they fire you. <laughs> and we've seen, it, we've seen it happen a lot. I mean, you you look at, uh, you know, obviously Malzahn played for a national championship, had a 12-2 and two season. That's been a while back now, so I get that. Uh, you know, you had uh, the co- uh, previous coach for that, Gene Chizik. Uh, Gene Chizik won a national championship – Two years later, he was out. Tommy Tuberville had a 13-0 season. It wasn't long after that that he was out. You know, so you got to – there's a lot. <laughs> uh, Terry Bowden, you know, took over uh, an Auburn team that was on probation. And, I mean, basically, according to several reports, you know, they were paying players. That One reporter says he's seen the ledger and all this stuff and he's trying to clean stuff up. And in the process of cleaning it up, they they just didn't win enough games, and he was fired. But he went 11-0 his first year. I went and saw them play. I saw Georgia and Auburn play when I was – I guess I was in high school or something then. But anyway, I saw them play. That first year he was there, Auburn was tough. James Bostick. Stan White, I think, was the quarterback. Anyway, they fired him. You know, so you got to – it's a tough situation because Alabama's right there. So all the games have been scheduled. Four games have been canceled just recently. Some interesting matchups. You know, when all this is said and done, they'll look. They'll go back and look at like how the how the teams performed in bowl games, and they'll say the SEC was you know seven and one, and the Big Twelve was you know five and four or something. You know, they'll go through there and they'll act like that's a, a, a fair comparison. When the reality is, like a lot of times, the number two team in the Big 12 is going to face the number five team from the SEC or the number four team from the SEC. You know, the the fourth team from the Big 12 might face the number seven team in the SEC 
And it happens like that in just about every game once you get outside of the, the New Year's Six. I mean, it happens every game. And nobody really talks about that. Everybody's like, you know, a huge win over an SEC team. Like, you know, <laughs> you guys were nine and three, you know, not this year, but you nine and three and you beat a six and six SEC team, you know, like a little perspective on that. I, I just find it interesting how that's never brought up. You know, the SEC always does, almost always does really strong in bowl games, but they're almost always playing a team with a better record who is higher ranked in their conference. Defensive line recruiting, that was one of the areas that, you know, we went into National Signing Day and it's like, okay, where's a deficiency here? And the deficiency was defensive line. They only had one commitment and in Solomon Wright, who, you know, is an undersized guy at six foot 270, but comes off the ball really, really explosive. Now, he's going to give something up. Like, you know, I always hear some people say stuff like, well, he's not that big, but he makes up for it with speed, you know. Not at some – there's an expense there. You know, it's not like just an even trade that you make up for it with speed. There's a reason there's like a prototype for the position. But we're, you know, in college, and this guy comes off the ball extremely well, and I've seen a lot of defensive tackles in college that size who have had a lot of success. So he's an intriguing one. Cameron Ball obviously decided on national signing days, pick Arkansas over – uh, Arizona State. Whoa, goodness gracious. I guess do not disturb does not matter. So, Cameron Ball decided for Arkansas over Arizona State and Georgia Tech. Wasn't a big surprise, uh, I think, to a lot of people. He, he's been committed for a while. Uh, Jalen Williams is a nice addition, number two ranked junior college defensive tackle in the country. That's a guy that will be able to help him next year. And, of course, those two joining Solomon right now. They have four spots left they can get. Uh, They have one spot left for the class, and they're going to push three forward. Okay, And that's important because, as I understand, all these transfers are going to be eligible next year. I I assume that's how – what the, the Division One Council meant is all these transfers are going to be eligible. So not just grad transfers, which you're going to have a lot of those, but – Actual, you know, just regular transfers. So you got four spots for them. They want to add a couple of defensive linemen, a couple of offensive linemen. And that's, I say, absolutely do that. <laughs> Unless you can't find somebody that can help you, then maybe you look at somebody else at a different, you know, some other position. But offensive line and defensive line, I mean, that's what has made a huge difference with this team. First of all, overall depth. You know, like Arkansas's linebackers are really banged up. And the reason that they're banged up, a big reason is because they play too many snaps. Okay, so depth overall is something you've got to build towards. Okay, but when I look at Arkansas and I see and this is no disrespect to any of those guys out there fighting their guts out this year. But when I look at the offensive line for Arkansas and I look at the opponent's offensive line, it's like two different levels. Okay, these guys and and I've talked about it, so I don't want to talk about a whole lot, but there's some guys in this conference that are just absolutely massive. And Arkansas has got some big, big guys, but compared to some of these other schools, it's just like these dudes are just huge in this conference. And it's been like that a lot of years. The only time I can remember at Arkansas where I looked all the way across the offensive line, I was just like, this is a group. This is a group of dudes right here was back when Sam Pittman was at Arkansas the last time when they had, you know, Sebastian Tertola, who's cutting his weight down from 370, you know, when he arrived. Uh, Denver Kirkland, who played at like 340-something his last year. Dan Skipper, who was 338 or so. Mitch Smothers, who went, what, 320-plus. Frank Ragnall. I mean, that was a line, right? Two years in a row, you had the biggest offensive line in football. Last year's offensive line was probably, I bet, I would be venture to guess that it was – out of all the Power Five conferences, it was in the bottom 10% easily, if not the smallest, like literally. And it wasn't because they were just like, you know, you've got Myron Cunningham who's 6'7", but he's only 285, 290. You know, now he's 325. He packed on a bunch of weight, 35 pounds. He did the same thing with Ricky Stromberg, which, by the way, if we want to talk about injury stuff real quick, because Stromberg did miss the last game, but it looks like everybody's going to be back that it didn't have a season-ending injury. I don't know 
if Grant Morgan had a season-ending injury or not. But if he didn't, he's going to be back. And the same way with, uh, you know, pretty much everybody else. We, again, Noah Gatlin's out. Julius Coates is out. But aside from that, if you didn't have a season-ending injury, then he expects him to be back. So that could mean Bo Limmer's back. It could mean Ricky Stromberg's back, Grant Morgan. That would be good for Arkansas. I really think down the stretch, the lack of depth just kind of just hurt them. Wide receiver recruiting is another area that's really strong. You know, running back on the offensive side of the ball, like running back uh, and and wide receiver, probably your two strongest areas. Uh, but Justin Step just continues to to knock it out of the park. Okay, so they got Keetron Jackson, who's the number 160 overall prospect in the country out of Royce City, Texas, 6'2", 186 wide receiver. They got uh, Jaden Wilson, 6'3", 172 pounds, long, lanky guy. Bryce Stevens, six foot one seventy, uh, a guy that Sam Pittman says will challenge for the uh, state championship in Oklahoma in the one hundred meters. So you got a speedy guy there, which they needed. You can't just all get all big hulking wide receivers, and then of course Raheem Sanders, who according to twenty four seven Sports, he's higher. He's uh, I should say lower ranked on the composite, but on twenty four seven Sports, he's the number one hundred sixty one overall prospect in the country, six two two ten out of Rockledge, Florida. Guy that's really intriguing. We're going to see him line up a lot like Traylon Burks does for Arkansas, where you see him, um, you know, lined up in the slot or you know, split out, lining up at running back. But I think we'll see him maybe a little bit more at running back than we saw Traylon, and maybe early in his career. If they, if he's a guy that they say this guy can help us right now, we might see him at running back a lot earlier, because he is a big kid, six two two ten. You know, back in the day, Raheem Sanders, 6'2", 210, Traylon Burks, 6'3", 233. Like, if this was the 80s, both these guys would be playing running backs because everybody would be saying, that's the next Bo Jackson, that's the next Herschel Walker. It's a good-looking haul. Step has done – he's just – and by the way, congrats, uh, Justice Step, on uh, the birth of his daughter. And um, Arkansas had a couple, a couple of coaches with daughters. So, congratulations to uh, – to both coaches, four-star recruits. So, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, TQ Jackson, Shamar Nash, Darren Turner, Raheem Sanders, Keetron Jackson. Those are all four-star recruits that Justin Stepp has brought in at Arkansas. Pretty impressive. And that didn't include guys like Mike Woods, who's been really solid for him, obviously. Now, a couple of those guys have left. TQ Jackson, Shamar Nash have both gone. Shamar's entered the transfer portal. Chaboise and Juana also has entered the transfer portal. There's a lot of stuff that we missed out on by taking a week off. Um, also, Jarquez McClellan entered the transfer portal. I'm going to talk about that in a second, too. And McClellan's going to FSU, by the way. But when you keep bringing in very highly rated guys, eventually, you know, certain players are going to hit. And that's what happens at wide receiver, I think. And, yeah, good-looking group. So, I, w- I want to say this on opt-out. And I know that there are players out there who legitimately opt out over concern for the coronavirus. I also know that there are players out there who used it as a reason to quit the team, okay? And I said I'm not going to hold that against anybody, and I'm not, because it's a tricky year. It's kind of like players getting injured during games, like after a big first down, a defensive player goes down and holds his knee like what the Lane Kiven thing. Like, I don't even know what that was. I mean, I know what that was. He's telling a player to fake an injury. That's what it was. And – that's a big problem in college football, but there's no answer for it. They could literally – 11 guys could go down and act like they're injured, and there's nothing they could do because you can't be like, are you faking? You know, you can't you can't do that. Um, so, with this opt-out stuff, I would like to see the results of the players who opted out and returned to their team. Because right now, Arkansas had five opt-outs, okay? You had three underclassmen, Chaboise and Juana, transferring. Shamar Nash – Transferring. Jarquez McClellan, transferring. You had two more in season. Rakeem Boyd going to the NFL with 11 days left in the season. Going to the NFL. Jerry Jacobs, I guess he's going to try to go to the NFL, but he's not coming back to Arkansas. 0 for 5 on returning. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't all genuinely opting out for COVID. That's not what I'm saying. But I just find it curious, and I think if you look across the country, I bet, it's, I bet it's like 90% or better. It may even be 100% of players who opted out who won't return to their team. And if that's the case, 
it doesn't feel genuine across the board, does it? It doesn't feel like you opted out because of COVID. It feels like you opted out because you're going to transfer. And if you if you did it before the season started, it's a way to stay with the team, stay on scholarship, all that stuff. I'm just saying. I'm not accusing any specific person of anything. But I'm just saying when you look across the scope of everything, we're going to see, I think, I would be surprised if it is a number different than 90%. If it's, if it's a lower number than that of players who return to their team. What do you guys think? Let me know. Post it in the comments below. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these seniors. We, we've kind of run over this, but I think Devion Warren comes back. Uh, I could see Hayden Henry moving on, maybe trying to go pro, maybe just moving on. Ty Clary, I could maybe see the same thing. I think he needs to come back. I think it would be good for him to come back. Dorian Gerald, I could see him moving on just because I think he had his mind set on that. But Dorian, Dorian should come back. He should come back, put together a full, good, healthy season, or at least attempt to, and uh, put some good film together. Maybe get drafted. I think he's got a potential. I think Felipe Franks is gone. Jack Lindsay, I could see him coming back. I mean, it's not going to hurt Arkansas for him to come back. He could be the starting holder. He could take road trips to Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss. Where else do they go? Where else are they going? They get Auburn and Mississippi State at home. Texas A&M, so they go to Arlington. Now that's the Arkansas home game. Uh, well, I can't remember. Tyson Morris. I think it would do – I mean, if he's going to be the top six wide receiver, which it's going to be close for him to be top six, you got Jaqueline Crawford coming back also who will be eligible. I guess that Jaqueline can play in the bowl game. We don't know that. Nobody – we should have asked that today. Micah Smith, I could see him coming back. He was injured most of the year. Grant Morgan, would love to see Grant Morgan back. I don't know if he will. I think he will. That would be – that would be a huge get if they could get him back. Which also, this, I'm going to bring this up real quick because Arkansas has struggled at linebacker, right? They struggled, not you know, not so much this season. The the death wasn't there, but the, the season before, right? And they had Bumper Pool and they had Dijon Harris, and it felt like that was going to be it was just going to be those guys. You know, there were some injuries and stuff, but like you didn't trust like John Chavis. Did you not trust Grant Morgan to be like he played when there were injuries? But did you not trust him to be like to like be a real rotator and play as much as those other guys? Because I think he proved this year he should have. Deion Edwards injured pretty much all year, not the last game, but injured pretty much all year. Could see him coming back. AJ Reed, don't know if he will. I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, if he doesn't win the starting kicking job, then probably not. But certainly didn't have a great year this season after transferring in from Duke. T.J. Ham has come on back for your ninth year. Love T.J. Jonathan, probably gone. Myron, 50-50. See what, he, what they say back. Blake Kern, come on back. You can definitely help him next year. Xavier Kelly, come on back. You'll be a six-year guy, but come on back. I've got a long breakdown on every single one of these guys, including their age, you know, that they've graduated, all that kind of stuff. Where are we at, folks? How long have I been talking? 30 minutes nonstop? See what we got here in questions. Good, the questions have come back. I want to remind you guys before I get started on this to uh, do all the things, right? Facebook Live, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Subscribe, like, share, all those things. And most importantly... If you haven't checked out Hog Hoops Live, then you want to do so. It streams on this Facebook page. It plays on Apple Podcasts and, and the same platform on all of our podcast channels, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever. It plays on all those. It has its own separate YouTube channel, so you'd have to subscribe to the Hog Hoops Live YouTube channel if you want to watch the show afterwards on YouTube. Charlie Morris says, Go Hog. Chad Everett says, Good afternoon from sunny South Georgia. We pick suey. No gnats right now, right, Chad? Spud Snyder says, 50-23, go last backs. What? Lady. Oh, lady backs. Ronnie G. Ivey says, what's up, Trey? You good? Go Hogs. I'm good. We're um, we're all packed up. We're ready. Oh, man, I was going to put my Christmas tree up. I forgot to do that. I usually like to do a little holiday something. Um, I don't know if we're – I guess we're probably – this probably be the only show this week. 
because of the holiday season. So we're packing it in good today. But um, yeah, I'm good. We're just we're just kind of packed in, and um, I've done all my Christmas shopping, got everything wrapped up. We're just sitting on go. It's going to be a small bitty family Christmas. I'm not going to Little Rock this year. We're just going to do it up up here, me, the wife, and daughter. Casey, thanks for asking, Ronnie. Casey French Fulton says TCU fans are mad. They have to play us. Guess they think they are not. We're not good enough for them <laughs> to compete with, and it's embarrassing for some of the comments I saw on their page. Well, that's a good attitude that you you want to have. And you know, for me, I like for Arkansas to face an opponent that is maybe having a better season, maybe a notch above, which TCU is right now, right? So because I feel like if you get an opponent and you're like, huh, should beat them, then you're just kind of like, you know, it's just kind of like a, so much of the bowl games are about how you approach the bowl games, how you practice. You know, did you – and it's different this year, but like – you know, did you go out the night before? You know, did you make poor decisions in your preparation? Did you not take this team seriously? All of those things come into bowl games. I mean, that's why we see teams that should be beating other teams just completely not show up. And we're going to see that this year. So, for Arkansas, I think it's important for them to, you know, look at a team and say, you know, we can beat those guys. But TCU, I don't understand that. I mean, they were just 5-7 and seven last year, Right. They didn't go to a bowl game either last year. I know they won more games than they did in the Big 12. But, you know, it's not that big of a difference between these two programs, I don't think. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a 50-50 game. But that's fine with anybody that wants to have that attitude about Arkansas now because Arkansas will fight you. Hello from Fort Wood. Good thing about playing in a bowl game is no SEC officials. Good point, Larry. Larry also says, uh, had TCU played the schedule Arkansas play, they'd not be any better. So you're probably right. It's a different league. I don't care what anybody says. Playing in a Big 12 slate versus playing in an SEC slate is, is different. Arkansas had what, again, some may consider as the toughest schedule in the history of college football. Justin Courtright said, just want to see what your thoughts were on any assistant coaches are leaving this offseason, or is there any indication that any are leaving? I mean, I don't th- – I mean, like there's been a lot of talk over on South Carolina side about Justin Stepp coming over as wide receiver coach. Guys, I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I don't I don't think – you know, just keeping going down the line, John Cooper, who, again, also had a baby um, this weekend – I don't see anything going on there. Offensive line, I seriously doubt Brad Davis is going anywhere. Kendall Browse has been talked about here and there as maybe getting a job somewhere else, but I think he'll stay. I think, from what I understand, he likes the the area here. Jimmy Smith, staying. I don't see anybody leaving. I think they, I think they could very well, you know, Barry Odom's been brought up a few times too, but, um, you know, just the way things ended with playing Missouri and and Alabama, maybe took a little bit of the luster off of off of that. You know, he didn't make the Burles award award cut list or anything like that, so maybe that takes a little bit of the luster off of off of Odom. But I do think that he'll be a head coach again someday. But I think he stays around another year. Sam Carter, same deal. Ryan Rhodes, same deal. Derek LeBlanc, same deal. I mean, I, I don't. I think that they could literally return all ten assistant coaches. <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> so yeah, Marshall's Marshall's gone, for sure. Kyle Curry says, Trey, any indication as to what the future holds for Felipe? I think he's gone. Between the bowl game, possible senior bowl invite, and the combine pro days, one would think he could work his way into a late-round pick. I think he has a possibility to be a late-round pick. Yeah, but nothing better than that. And I don't think if he came back, I don't think he's going to change that much. So I could absolutely see him moving on. I think it was good to get a good taste of K.J. Jefferson, wasn't it? You know, like, that's the only way you can feel okay about your quarterback situation moving in. You know, like, when it transitioned from Tyler Wilson, uh, from Ryan Mount to Tyler Wilson, you know, we saw a really good look at him against Auburn and said, okay, this is a guy that can can win games for Arkansas. And I think we saw that against Missouri with with K.J. 
even though they lost. But they still scored 15 points in the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead going in. They just gave up too many points on defense. Scott Hickman said, I swear I see 15 players a game now crossing their arms after making a big play. I know. You can't do that. Stupid, dumbass ref. I mean, really, you're a dumbass. No, you got me worked up, Scott, thinking about that. Rocky Carter says, anyone know why Dungy isn't playing today? John Nance says, I think she hurt her knee last game. There's your answer. Go Razorbacks. Keith Bulger says, thought they needed another tight end, a linebacker. Possibly. I think getting Blake Kern back will help. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, with the scholarship limits that they have, you know, these days you're always going to be limited somewhere. You're going to have – you know, you're going to be – you're going to be – Thin somewhere, always. Michael Hanner says, TJ Hammistaz, would he be one of the seniors to stay for a second season? I, I think he could. Larry Bateman says, agree, Trey. To me, it's an excuse. I wish they could get the coaches to tell us the facts about the, what those did. What we got going on here? The dog's trying to get in. Justin Courtright just says, Trey. Drew McDaniel says, prediction for the bowl game. It's a little early. I want to look some more at TCU. Um, I like that quarterback a lot, though. He's a guy that can give you trouble. I like him in a bad way. Scott Hickman says, bad way for Arkansas anyway. If if they go by the regular scheduled non-conference games, we'll have Rice, Texas, Georgia, Southern, <clears throat> and UAPB next year. Yep. Which I, I, I fully expect to go to Athens next year. I think there's 100% happening. Arkansas is going to Georgia. Back-to-back years. Congratulations. Thanks, SEC. You're welcome. Tyler Tober says, Trey, what was your stance on the final top six rankings? What's your opinion on the playoff expansion? I think if you were going to have it, this is the year that would have been good. But because there was a lot of question marks at the end. You know, I look at – I look at Notre Dame getting in, and, you know, they did lose to Clemson. What they lose by? 24 to Clemson. And Texas A&M lost to, uh, uh, to Alabama by 28 at Tuscaloosa. So, I just – I don't know. I, I feel like it's a toss-up there with those two. But I look at Texas A&M and how they played those last several games and their, you know, their key wins and all that stuff – I feel like Texas A&M got, got jobbed, to be honest with you. And I don't think it was necessarily that they got jobbed because Notre Dame got in. I think they got jobbed because Ohio State did. Okay? Ohio State, and this is no fault of their own. This is the Big Ten's fault. The Big Ten, the Big Ten is the reason that they don't deserve to get in. But you talk about, like, if I mean, like, first of all, they're ranked based on their name right, and what they've done in the past, not what they've done this season. So that's that's where their, their initial ranking comes in. But they're marquee wins, folks. And I know that both these teams are nationally ranked, but their marquee wins are Indiana and Northwestern. Northwestern, who they beat by 12 points in the Big Ten championship game, a game that Ohio State should not have been playing. And it wasn't Ohio State's fault. It was the rules that the Big Ten made up, okay, the Big Ten said you had to play six games to be, to be eligible to play in the, in the championship game. They made an exception. They changed the rules in the middle of the game, and that's BS. It is. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game. If I was Indiana, I would be irate. And I mean, Indiana had their chance to play them and beat them. I get that. But according to the rules, that's how it should have gone down, and it didn't. Indiana got screwed by their own conference so they could get Ohio State in so they could get a representative in the playoffs. That's the bottom line, people. Ohio State did not deserve to be in there. Um, they don't have a resume because the Big Ten screwed this whole thing up. And that's another topic. I'm about to go on a rant. But the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12 all did it right. Okay? The Big Ten and the Pac-12 screwed it up. Okay? They all screwed it up. We have seen going through this whole SEC slate, Arkansas played all 10 games. There was also a championship game where those teams played all 10 games and played an 11th game. It worked. 
it was the right call. Big Ten, it looked stupid before all this when they were canceling the season or postponing it to the spring or whatever they were going to do. And they look stupid to me now. And they don't deserve to have a team represented in the playoffs. And that's another, I don't mean that anything against Ohio State, but the way the conference handled it, it put Ohio State in a position where they do not deserve to represent in the, in the playoffs. I just, that's where it is. It's not so much to me that uh, Notre Dame bumped Texas A&M out. To me, it is, it is Ohio State that doesn't belong to be in there. That's my opinion. But I'll say this also, you know, Alabama lost – or Alabama beat Texas A&M by 28, okay, and they would have beat them again, in my opinion. You know, maybe not 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think maybe they would beat them 10 out of 10 times. And I think, you know, Clemson probably wouldn't beat Notre Dame 10 out of 10 times, but pretty close. I think they would pretty close beat them 10 out of 10. So – Anyway, that's my take on it. Long answer. <clears throat> about to hit that threshold of 50 minutes where my voice starts going. Shadrick White says, yes, we definitely need Morgan and Bumper back, Kelly to come back and have, build adequate depth going forward. You know, I, I've said this before, too, but like Alabama, you know, you're going to have guys go pro early because they've got guys that are going to be very highly drafted. And you, in the next year, you're going to be relying on players who are 19, 20. Arkansas could have several players that they're relying on who are 23, 24 even, 24 years old, some of these guys. That's how you can help close the gap a little bit with experience, strength, all that stuff, um, you know, versus just natural talent uh, that some of these Alabama guys have. So you could help close the gap a little bit more on a team like Alabama or, you know, especially, you know, let's talk more about teams that are in, you know, striking distance of Arkansas, you know, maybe an Auburn or like LSU was this year or, you know, some of those. I went to high school with TJ. Why did you have to put him on blast like that, Trey? LOL, says Colton Smith. I wouldn't put him on blast. I love TJ. TJ is one of my favorite players all time. He knows that too. But, you know, when you he, – he arrived, he played, he played. Then he redshirted in the middle and played and played. You know, so it just kind of has that feeling that he's been there forever because of the middle of the career redshirt. But he, he it does feel like he's been here a long time, which – come on back, TJ. Mark Douglas' tight end is looking very thin if Kern doesn't return. I think Kern will, and if Atley is still trying to recover from seizing any injury in high school, Henry has been dealing with durability issues, Toll and Henderson returning to their original positions. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see in an ideal world them have more tight ends on campus, but if they don't feel like there's a guy out there for them, then John Dexter said, did you say TJ was in his ninth season? I was just joking. Gary Sheffer says Trey. Uh, Josiah Moody. Josiah Moody. I'm not sure how to say that. Miss Moody. Uh, did we address the tight end position? I mean, aside from Aaron Outley, there's not another tight end they're, they're bringing in. But I, I do think Blake Kern returns. Gary Sheffer says Trey, give us your take on our great special teams. they got to get better. They have got to get better on special teams. Again, I've said this before, but I'm giving Scott Fountain a pass. I think that they've dealt with a lot of things due to COVID and stuff uh, that have hurt that. I think he's got an excellent reputation. Uh, not only as a special teams coach, but let's not forget what a recruiter this guy is. This guy can recruit. I mean, he's been top 10 national recruiter before. And, you know, Cameron Little is the number one ranked kicker prospect in the country, and he's coming to Arkansas. I'm just saying. they got to shore him up next year. Like, you can throw all that out the window. Like, if special teams sucks next year, then – that's on Scott Fountain. I don't think there's anything you can say, well, like, well, they had this issue and that issue and weren't able to, you know, avoid that and all that kind of stuff. But special teams was not good at all this year. Definitely weren't a weapon ever. Don Eldred says, and Mark Curl sucks. Yes, he does. You suck, Mark. You suck. This is going to be a tough one. Ubuntu, Elimu, Ahuru. I think I nailed that. <laughs> In my opinion, 
The best Razorback teams the last 20 years, yes, have been teams full of Arkansas guys. We need more of that. Yes, but you can't just say we're going to get a bunch of Arkansas guys and we're going to be good again. You can't just say that. There has to be – I mean, it has to be like talent in the state. It has to be those years. You have to have a 2008 type of year, you know, a 2019 type of year. You have to have some of those years. You can't just be like, you know, let's go out and get a bunch of Arkansas guys. They only had five in the class. That's all they needed in this class. I don't. I don't know that there was other guys that you just be like. They definitely, definitely got to go get this guy. So, yes, I think you're absolutely right in that opinion, but you can't just manufacture it. It's got to happen naturally. Don Eldred says Big Ten also has changed the quarantine period so the 22 guys missed for the Big 12 championship game can play in the college football quarterfinals. Just changing the rules all the way around. That was a stupid rule in the first place. You didn't need a 22-day damn quarantine period. There are people in the Big 12, I don't want to say anybody should be fired, but, man, you talk about screwing this thing up, you did. It's just bad. You did a bad job. Alabama wouldn't beat them 10 out of 10 times without Waddle. Maybe not. Waddle's a heck of a player. That was that was definitely a blow. They also lost their starting center, it looks like. they could have. I, I don't know what the prognosis is on him, how long he's going to be out. He's out for the season or what. But, you know, he's a good player for him, obviously. I made my Heisman Trophy, uh, turned in my Heisman Trophy ballot today. I can't tell you who I voted for. But there were some Alabama players under consideration, I'll say that. January 5th, 6 o'clock, I think. So it's in the middle of the playoff games, the week in the middle, um, when that's going to be announced. So it's super late this year. Chad Everett says, go Nats. Ha ha. (laughs) With a G. (laughs) Yeah. Nats in Georgia below the Nat line. I mean, if you're below the Nat line in Georgia, and I guess it's not happening right now, but in the summertime, man. I can't understand. It's nothing against anybody, but I can't understand if you had the choice to live in a place, why you would live in South Georgia in the summertime. Like if you had a choice to leave there because of the gnats. That's how strongly I feel about it. All right, everybody. I feel like we wrap the show up. You guys be sure to tune in to uh, Hog Hoops Live with Curtis Wilkerson on City Games Tuesday, so that'll be on Wednesday. So tune in to Hog Hoops Live on Wednesday where Curtis will break down the last game and look ahead to the next game as well. All right, everybody. Appreciate everybody for asking questions. That's about it. I guess we're done this week. We'll be back with you guys after Christmas. Curtis Wilkerson on Wednesday. It's been Trey with HogSports.com. Appreciate your time.